You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us now open our Bibles and read together two passages, Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7. Genesis 14, at this time Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elassar, Kedor Lyomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim, the Salt Sea. For twelve years they had been subject to Kedor Lyomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedar Lyomer and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Rephaites and Ashtaroth, Karnaim, the Zuzites and Ham, the Emites and Shaveh, Kiriathayim, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir as far as El Paran near the deserts. Then they turned back and went to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites as well as the Amorites who were living in Hazazon Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Kedar Lyomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elasar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorites, a brother of Ishkol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought, brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedar Lyomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavi, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Aner, Eshkol, and Ramri. Let them have their share. We'll also read from Hebrews. 
We'll start at the very end of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth, through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest, like Melchizedek, appears. One who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect 
forever. So we, looking at Genesis 14, in the text of the, the message is, well, that part in the middle, verses 17 to 20, where Melchizedek met with Abram when he was returning from battle. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a Thanksgiving Day is tomorrow. It's a statutory holiday. Families gather, maybe you have some visitors sitting beside you this morning because of that day. Activities are are planned. The weather looks nice, so we're looking forward to, to going out. Special food is, is organized. It's Thanksgiving Day. We, we look around. We, we see it all around us. And as we look around in our community, our town, we, we see that different people thank different beings and, and powers for their life. They thank different situations for their, their families, for their home and for their possessions. We, we're all saying it's Thanksgiving Day, but we all kind of mean something different by it. And there we are, Christians, in the, in the midst of this, and, and we're doing the same thing. And although we, we talk and we warn about materialism and, and thinking so much about what we have in our hands, we are happy. We're happy for the material things we have. We, we're happy. We're, we're very thankful to have families and, and homes and, and food. And so we use this weekend to think about that. Thank God for those things. Is this appropriate? Is that what we should be doing as, as church in this world? Should the church not be more spiritual than that. We know it's all temporary. We know that's not the most important thing. There's more important things in our lives than, than our, than our homes. Even more so than our families. So is it appropriate? When we look to the Old Testament and we look to the New Testament, we see that The Lord our God, Creator of heaven and earth, who made us, He also wants us to celebrate our lives. He wants us to celebrate His goodness. He wants us to celebrate His blessings. Abram was returning from battle. Tough battle. Traveled a long distance. Just getting nearby, back to home with with his nephew Lot, they're coming close to home and they meet a couple kings in what's called the Valley of Kings. And, and there, there's a king of Salem there. And we read he's, he's bringing supplies to, to Abraham. Not roast turkey and ham, but it was bread and wine. It's, it's the elements of, of a feast. And the special meeting of Abraham and Melchizedek was not by chance. In this very precise and ancient chapter of Scripture, ancient because the way it's written, you could see this repetition of, of the king's names and exactly where they were and why they won. We read about Melchizedek. 
There in the middle of the story of Abram, the Lord reveals Himself to us, to His church, and, and He points His church to Jesus Christ. The king of Salem, Melchizedek, was a very special man because God sent him to Abram to reveal the eternal high priest and king, Jesus Christ. I preach to you the Gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. The church responds to Jesus Christ, our Melchizedek, with thanksgiving. We see that Abram gives thanks to Melchizedek, king of Salem. We give thanks to the king of righteousness, the king of peace. So we look at our text. We read the context. We read even an explanation of it. And in Hebrews 7, we should remember that Hebrews 7 is an explanation of, of our text already. It's the, the first sermon on our text. We see in our text here that Abram, or that Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. Verse 18. The presence of wine indicates that the meal was more than just a meal of necessity. We shouldn't think that Abram was dying of hunger and thirst, but he's coming back. He has everything with him. He has Lot and all the possessions of, of the city and he comes back and out comes his priest with, with bread and, and wine. And it was a celebration. But why did he come? The king of Salem isn't in the list of kings that we read in, in chapter 14. Salem, probably Jerusalem, is sort of out of the picture here. It's not one of the cities on the plain. Melchizedek wasn't rescued by Abram, so why did he king, why did he come? Well, the text explains right away. It says he was priest of God Most High. The text says that Melchizedek was mediator between God and the people on earth. He was a messenger of God who brought supplies for a feast. The feast pointed to the the communion between God and Abram. When God sent Melchizedek, He was saying to Abram, to his church, he says, I am with you. I am there with you and, and we need to celebrate this together. And so Abram received this, this, this priest with, with the bread and wine and he knew that God was with him. God provided him with his physical blessings. And then we read in verses 19 and 20 that the priest Melchizedek also blessed Abram. That reminds us of Genesis 12 where God says whoever blesses you will be blessed. Abram is a blessing. And everyone who blesses him will be blessed also. And, and what did the priest of God say in this blessing? Blessed be Abram by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Melchizedek is saying to Abram, yeah, you, you won a great victory, but it was the Lord who delivered all those kings into your hands. It was the Lord who delivered the, the giant slayer. Keter Lyomer was destroying Zuzites and Emites. Those were giants at the time. He delivered that giant slayer into your hand, Abram. So Melchizedek was this messenger of God who came to Abram in the midst of his, his life, in a moment of victory. And he says, 
It's God, Abram. It's all God. That's what we think of too. Thanksgiving Day. We look at our stuff. We look at our possessions. We look at our families. We look at the, the things that make us happy. And we, we hear the voice of the messenger of God Most High. Yet all that you have has been delivered into your hands by, by God Most High. By, by the Creator of heaven and earth. You, you have those things because of God's grace. And we see Abram's response. That's important as well. Abram gave a tenth of everything he had. Verse, the end of verse 20. It's actually the first time we read of a tithe giving a tenth to anybody. It's clear that Abram understood that it was a way to show that he was thankful. It's important to understand the order here as well. First, the victory. First, the blessing. First, the grace. First, the the bread and wine. The the celebration. And then, the offering. It's a a response response of, of gratitude. Abram didn't give money to buy his way into heaven. He wasn't trying to impress God with with who he was and how wealthy he was. Abram knew he was a little man. Abram was overwhelmed with the gracious providence and care of God. And so he responded with gratitude. And he showed that with offerings. That's how we give our offerings today as well. We should really teach our children that. We don't give money because you have to. That's what you do. No, we give money because we think of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we realize that without Him we are dead and useless. We can do nothing. And I give my quarter, I give my loony little child because I am so grateful for for all that Jesus Christ has done. The very basic principle. We see that very clearly. Paul talks about that. We, We give from a cheerful heart. When we give our, our offerings to the Lord, when we show our gratitude to Him, we do that not looking at our own lives or our own pockets in the first place, but we look at all that He has given to us. All who we are because of His grace. That's what we do again this Thanksgiving Day. Every day of our life is a day of Thanksgiving. Every Sunday we show our our thanksgiving with our offerings. And this weekend, we, we spend a bit more time to, to think about that. Why am I thankful? And, and how can I show my gratitude? Well, the text shows it very clearly. We, we show it by, by giving of what we have received to the Lord. By looking at what we have and, and looking to God, wanting to, to give, to show cheerfully. And then we see how gracious God is to Abram at this time. Abram learns all he has received and, and God even gives him his, his priest so that he can receive the offerings. So that he can receive the, the sign of, of gratitude. And so we're at the end of, of our text. And if God had only revealed this about Melchizedek 
we would have a, a wonderful revelation about life in the kingdom of God. Our text is saying that God sent a, a royal priest, a divine messenger, to sustain His servant in a time of celebration, to provide the elements of the feast, and, and to teach His servant Abram all about His blessings. The source of, of all His blessings. And then to receive His offerings of gratitude. That's what our text is, is telling us. And then when we keep reading, we realize this Melchizedek is doing more. We, we, we keep reading Scripture and we see this name Mel, Melchizedek popping up in, in a few more places. And quickly, like Paul, or like the author of Hebrews explains, this Melchizedek is, is a type of Christ. And so we, we read in Hebrews 7 that Melchizedek means King of Righteousness. King of Salem means King of Peace. And he is this priest of God Most High. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And that's what we, we read together. Hebrews 7 takes note of the fact that Melchizedek, it doesn't say where he came from. It doesn't say who his father and mother were. He doesn't, we don't have any genealogy. He appears in the text and, and he's gone. And so the, the writer of Hebrews explains that, that that means that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same way. He speaks of the eternity of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 7 also draws our attention to the fact that Melchizedek doesn't come from the line of Levi. He was a, a priest outside the line of Levi. He came from the tribe of, of Judah. Jesus Christ came from the tribe of Judah. And so Hebrews is saying, okay, look at... Jesus Christ. He's like Melchizedek. First of all, He doesn't have beginning of days or end of days. He's, he's an eternal King. That's who our Jesus Christ is. In the second place, notice that He isn't a Levite. Notice that He comes from a different tribe. And, and, and the Hebrews, the Holy Spirit is explaining to us that that's important. It means that God is doing something special through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is superior to the law and to the Levites. And so Hebrews 7 is saying, church, brothers and sisters in the church today, you, you children of Abraham, you have a Melchizedek too. He is Jesus Christ. And this Jesus Christ is a is a very special priest of God Most High. He is superior to any priest that has come before Him. He has the power of an indestructible life. Look at chapter 7, verse, verse 16. He has a, a permanent priesthood. He, he always lives to intercede for you before the Father. This is your Jesus Christ. He is the, the King of righteousness. 
That means He makes you perfectly clean, perfectly innocent before the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the King of peace. He has brought reconciliation between God Most High and you, the unworthy sinner. Do you want peace? Do you want to be righteous? Do you want to to live forever in the presence of God the Father, Creator of heaven and earth? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He offered Himself as a perfect sacrifice for you and in your place. And this is forever. He's an eternal Son of God. So we recognize with great joy who Jesus Christ is. And then we, we, we go back to Genesis 14 and, and we look at this passage and we understand even better what God is revealing about Himself in Genesis 14. And we see that the comfort of the message of our passage, because the passage tells us that as Abraham was returning from battle, as he was walking and living his life, there came Melchizedek to show that God was with him. And as we walk and as we live our lives and we go from one thing to the next, God is saying to us in, in our passage that the King of Righteousness is with us. He's there. He's, he's beside us. He, he brings us good news. He is far superior to any other priest. He does way more for us than, than ever has been done before. And you can meet this King of Righteousness. You can, you can meet, you can hear Him. He, he is with us. You hear it in, in Scripture. Every passage. Every Sunday, you hear the message God is saying, the King of righteousness, the King of peace is with you. He knows where you are and He comes out to meet you. He's the King of peace. Hebrews 8 makes that clear. The very first verse of Hebrews 8 already says, now, now that priest, our Melchizedek, he, he went up into the heavens and He gives us access to the heavens. That means God does not remain angry with us because of our sins. He does not keep remembering those sins. He, he, he looks at our Melchizedek. He, he looks at our Jesus Christ. The Eternal One who constantly is interceding for us before the Father. Hebrews 7, verse 25. He's the bearer of good news. He comes to meet us. The life, our battles, our struggles of life. He comes to us with a message of peace. Brothers and sisters, do you see what Scripture is revealing to you? Do you see what you have? And the shocking part of our text is that the, the great Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High, he came out to meet Abram and he brought him bread and wine. The greater 
brought bread and wine to the lesser. He was serving Him. That's the Gospel. Right there. The greater came down to meet us. He comes with what we need for our hungry souls. He comes to us undeserving sinners with bread and wine. The point of our text is that our Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, He, he sees us in our struggles. He, he sees what our lives are like. We, we read the form for baptism. And we, we pray that, that entered this, this life which is no more than a constant death. We're not alone. Our, the King of righteousness, our, our God, he, he sees us and He comes to us with bread and wine. He says, brothers and sisters, celebrate what you have. Jesus Christ. Today it's the same. Our Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, he, he comes, He says, I've done everything for you. You have access to the throne of God Most High. You, you can live your life with peace, with confidence. You don't need to fear the day of, of judgment. And here, celebrate. Have some bread and wine. Celebrate. The abundance of your life in me. Celebrate your, your victory over death every day of your lives. And Jesus Christ Himself, he, he brings us physical blessings so that we can truly celebrate. That's what lies behind our joy on Thanksgiving weekend. It's not just the stuff. It's not just the things. It's not just the family. It's the source of all this. It's Jesus Christ who obtained life everlasting. And then on top of that, He gives us these things. We see it symbolized in the sacrament of the sacraments, baptism. Today, the water points to the blood of Christ, the washing away of our sins. We see it in the in the Lord's Supper, they're really bread and wine. Why the wine? Again, you celebrate, brothers and sisters. Celebrate uh, what you have. It's a, a festal drink. That's how God was working in the Old Testament. He was giving holidays to His people. He said, here's another feast and another feast, and here's a, a two-week feast, and, and here's a day of rest every day of the week. My people, celebrate. What I have done for you. Look at our Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to the, to our, our world. There's a lot of sick people and demon possessed and, and poor people. And, and the first sign we read in John, He turns water into wine at a wedding celebration. That is our Jesus Christ. He wants to see His people who understand what they have celebrating with great thanksgiving. That's what our Melchizedek is like. He comes to us. He says, bread and wine, my people. Here's the promise that's symbolized in water. And we're in the battle. We know our weakness. It's a struggle. And we look and we feel terrible. 
how we have fallen short again and again. We're weary from, from our life. And he, he, here comes our Savior who's done everything. He says, here, take this, open your mouth and eat, Psalm 81. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. That's our God. He comes to us and, and we look, we, really? Is, is that what we can do? We can, we can celebrate. It's, it's all taken care of. And while we were eating the bread, we're, we're celebrating our life tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day. We're, we're thinking about how richly we have been blessed. There he is, our Melchizedek, blessing us. He sees us celebrate. He gives us the bread and wine and, and the superior, the greater, looks at the lesser, eating and drinking and living life with, with joy because all has been done. And He gives us His blessing on top of it all. That's what life in the kingdom is like. It's abundance. It's immense joy. That's what it means to have God on our side. And two times every Sunday, our Melchizedek comes to us and He blesses us. He's done everything for us. And there He is. He sees us celebrating, worshiping, praising God. On top of it, His blessing comes upon us. Two times every Sunday, we receive the blessing of the King of Righteousness and peace. We see it. If you don't think we have enough, we get more. We, we receive the blessing of Him who saved us from our enemies and, and from death. Many, many years ago, Abram, returning from battle, was nurtured and blessed by King of Salem, Melchizedek, priest of God Most High. He responded with gratitude. He gave a tenth of everything he had. He was overwhelmed. By God's grace, we have much more. We see things much more clearly. We have been nourished and blessed by God's only begotten Son, the King of righteousness, the King of peace, who has done His work once and for all, who bought us with His blood so that we can live in communion with God forever. How will you respond? A tenth doesn't really seem like enough. It's a start. But our hearts overflowing with gratitude. We say in our hearts, we say in our minds, this, this Thanksgiving weekend as we look at what we have, we, we see these things, we say, Lord, this has to be for You. For your kingdom. All that I have, all that I am. Oh Lord, just to show, just to start to show how thankful I am. And so yeah, if you look from the outside, we don't look too much different on Thanksgiving weekend. But we are. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, 
please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.